0: This is about an injustice to our democratic system, and in and in unfairness to the citizens of Coffee County. Do you all value us? We have got to make it right. We can't keep covering it up.
1: She's right. Let's help her uncover it,
0: shall we? Well, I don't. I got the feeling that something right
1: Oh, it isn't I'm
0: so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you
1: Yep from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Groves, Queso Eugene's KEPW. and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM 950-KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and... All-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Your mileage may vary. (laughs) Glad to have you with us here on the Bradcast. That delightful chuckle you just heard was Desi Doyen. She is here as well. All right. um, Many longtime listeners probably think by now that I must have some kind of obsession about the great state of Georgia. And, of course, if that's what you think, well, you would be right about that. <laughs> this is true. At least when it comes to their to their voting systems and the way the peach state was used and abused by Team Trump and Team MAGA after the 2020 presidential elections. Though, in truth, we were obsessed with the battleground state for many months and years prior, not just to the 2020 election, but, hell, going all the way back to, I don't know, 2004 or so. All
2: right. And to be fair, this is really in service for secure and transparent elections that the public can have confidence in. It's not just Georgia, but Georgia is part of that nexus of uh, of election integrity that really matters for the country. For
1: the entire country, indeed. Yeah. But it was uh, the 2020 presidential election when Donald Trump, in fact, tried to strong arm the state's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. ...into stealing the election on his behalf. Remember that? To his credit, Raffensberger did not. And when it comes to the unprecedented Team Trump and Team MAGA voting system software breach, that, yes, has also sort of attracted my attention and made me uh, somewhat obsessed... This uh, voting system breach in the tiny right leaning southern region of the state known as Coffee County, whereas Sidney Powell had uh, led a team of conspirators. They were allowed in to the Coffee County elections and registration building to have at the county's Dominion voting systems uh, hardware and software to make illicit copies of the sensitive voting system software used in Coffee County and in the rest of the state, and then distribute it to compatriots on the Internet. For that... Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger does not get any credit because he really hasn't done much of anything as far as we can tell. Now, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is believed to be looking at part of what happened in that Coffee County breach as a part of her broad conspiracy probe with indictments likely to come later this summer in Atlanta. But there is much more to the story that is not being investigated really by anybody. Well, anybody other than maybe Marilyn Marks and her uh, Coalition for Good Governance—if you listen to the show, you know Marilyn—they have had a long-running lawsuit against Secretary Raffensberger, hoping to replace his terrible new Dominion touchscreen voting system with a verifiable hand-marked paper ballot system. Well, today at the Brad Blog, we have got a detailed investigative exclusive for you, uh, trying to do what. Uh, really needs to be done in, in looking into this story, digging into the local and state and national cover-up of whatever really happened in Coffee County, and it does, and it is clearly a cover-up, including what appears to be raffensburger's own cover-up for some reason, and yes, even My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell's bizarre cameo appearance in this story in the middle of the night at Coffee County's tiny airport way back in early 2021, just after the breach in Coffee County and just before the county's election director who allowed the uh, team Trump in to uh, take apart the voting system just before that election director was seemingly thrown under the bus for allowing it to happen. But there's a lot more to the story. Lots of secrets and the beginning, maybe, maybe we'll see, of some cracks of light in this cover up, as covered today by Douglas Lucas at the uh, at bradblog.com. We will be discussing with Mr. Lucas all of this right here on the broadcast momentarily. But first, speaking of Georgia and voting and election lies, I'm sure you remember the well, the the this horrific uh, take uh, on the uh, mother and daughter Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss in Atlanta in Fulton County, in fact, and the nightmare that was visited upon them in return for their heroic work as election workers back in 2020 in Atlanta during the then still raging. COVID pandemic.
3: Ruby Freeman and Shay Freeman Mars, quite obviously, surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine. 18,000 voters uh, having to do with uh, Ruby Freeman. That's,
1: uh, she's a vote scammer.
3: The pair were falsely accused of trying to rig the outcome
1: in Joe Biden's favor in 2020 when they were election workers in Fulton County, Georgia. In the summer of 2022, they went to Capitol Hill to share their story with the January 6th committee. Ms. Moss, how has this experience of being targeted by the former president and his allies affected your life?
0: It's turned my life upside down. I've lost my sense of security, all because a group of people starting with number 45 and his ally, Rudy Giuliani, Decided to scapegoat me and my daughter, Shay.
1: That was uh, from Nightline uh, a few months ago, last, late last year. Uh, just a horrible story. Horrible what was done to those two women whose lives, as they say, were turned upside down. Well, we've got at least a bit of happy news in that story in even if it's long overdue for them this week allegations of election fraud against the two Georgia election workers who became the subjects of a Trump-backed conspiracy theory in the aftermath of the 2020 election were found to be quote false and unsubstantiated unquote that according to an investigative report finally released this week by the Georgia Elections Board. Freeman and Moss faced threats of violence from conspiracy theorists after their election night conduct on polling place live stream had proliferated online among right wing election deniers who believe that Donald Trump's lies that he won the 2020 election in one video clip online commentators accused freeman of handling a suitcase of fraudulent and stolen ballots remember that oh, oh yeah. they're bringing in suitcases of ballots Which fake is, of ballots course, nonsense complete nonsense as moss explained to media outlets and eventually under oath to the US House January 6th committee quote the suitcases they claim we had were issued ballot boxes that we use in every election. Another clip showed Freeman handing her daughter a small item, imperceptible on the grainy live stream footage. That led some, like the reprehensible Rudy Giuliani, who you heard there in that clip, to accuse the two of exchanging a USB drive, uh, suggesting that it was meant that this USB drive would somehow be used to manipulate votes. In fact, as Freeman would explain, they were ginger mints, mints that she kept in her purse. Nonetheless, the following week, Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, appeared before a committee of the Georgia State Legislature to advocate for their intervention in the Electoral College certification, meaning Asking them to steal the Georgia election for Trump. He told the legislatures that that video online showed Freeman and, and Moss quite obvious, quote, quite obviously surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine, said the racist sleazeball Rudy. Well. The good news is, though it's taken this long, the state of Georgia has finally, finally come out with their report on all of this officially. As the office of Georgia's secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, announced in a press release on Tuesday this week, the state election board in Georgia dismissed a long running investigation into alleged malfeasance during the 2020 election at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. Over the course of the investigation, it was confirmed that numerous allegations made against the Fulton County Department of Registration and Elections, and specifically two election workers, were false and unsubstantiated. Well, who knew? Quote, we are glad the state election board finally put this issue to rest, said Raffensperger. False claims and knowingly false allegations made against these election workers have done tremendous harm. Election workers deserve our praise for being on the front line. And I am happy to agree with Raffensberger, at least in this one small incident. Not only do they deserve our praise for being on the front line, they especially deserve our praise for being on the front line in the middle of a pandemic.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: (laughs) in 2020,
2: better late than never for this to finally clear their names officially by the Georgia secretary of state's office. But really what took so long? It's been more than two and a half years after the election in which these terrible false allegations were made.
1: Yeah. What took so long? Indeed. The, uh, uh, the investigation according to the secretary's office uh, which included secretary of state investigators and special agents with both the GBI and FBI revealed quote there was no evidence of any type of fraud as alleged. Through the course of the investigation, quote, three law enforcement agencies reviewed the entire unedited video footage of the events in question surrounding the two election workers at State Farm Arena and additionally reviewed social media posts allegedly made by a Fulton County election worker stating that they had engaged in election fraud. Of course, that made its way around uh, the right wing Internet as well. Oh, look, someone, a whistleblower in Fulton County is exposing the fraud. Well, it turns out that was nonsense as well. It was found to have been created by a third party who, quote, admitted he created a fake account and confirmed the content that was posted on the account was fake. Boy, I hope that person goes to jail for something. Ultimately, quote, all allegations made against the two election workers were unsubstantiated and found to have had no merit, according to investigators. State elections board member Ed Lindsay requested a letter sent to the two election workers, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, whose lives have really been turned upside down. Some of the most moving testimony we saw in the um, uh, uh, the House January 6th yeah, committee, yes. T- came from, uh, from those uh, two women who said that, you know, they can't even go out. Or she doesn't even want to go to the grocery store with her mother because her mother might call her by her name and expose who she is publicly. Anyway, uh, all of this uh, just, you know, their lives destroyed through these phony claims of fraud by Rudy Giuliani and from the then sitting president of the United States, Donald Trump. Who has yet to pay any price for this, and of course uh, from the rest of the Team Trump MAGA red hats who buy all of their BS, the uh, state election board member said, "quote Because of what these election workers have gone through with certain false claims, I'd like to ask that the state board of election uh, writes a letter affirmatively telling them that the matter has been dismissed." Von Bos, the attorney representing Freeman and Moss, said in a statement following the release of the report, quote, this serves as further evidence that Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss, while doing their patriotic duty and serving their community, were simply collateral damage in a coordinated effort to undermine the results of the 2020 presidential election. Lies about Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss have been proven false over and over again, and those who perpetuate them should be held accountable. Ironically, by the way, those who perpetuate them are part of what they call the patriot movement. (laughs) And if you want to know what actual patriots look like, they look like Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss who uh, did their patriotic duty by uh, standing up during a pandemic and working unspeakable hours to try to carry out American democracy only to have their lives destroyed by these attacks on these idiots like Giuliani and Trump and everyone else who goes along with them uh, with them uh, calling themselves patriots. Newsflash, you people are not patriots. Last year, the uh, right-wing One America News Network agreed to settle a lawsuit that was brought by the uh, two workers, paying a settlement and issuing an on-air retraction of the alleged uh, of the allegations that they had amplified on that network. A defamation claim against Rudy Giuliani by the pair uh, after he initially aired these claims before the Georgia Senate that is still pending in court. Go get them, ladies. Also, still pending a ton of questions about Georgia's Coffee County voting software breach by some of the same folks who made those same despicable false accusations against Freeman and Moss. But these questions uh, also include Brad Raffensperger's involvement in all of this. Let's take a quick break, and we will uh, we'll be back with the author of. Bradblog.com's latest investigative report on Coffee County and the sort of mind-blowing scandal and cover-up that is maybe, maybe beginning to crack apart in the tiny rural county. That full bonkers story is next on the Bradcast with Douglas Lucas. I'm Brad Friedman.
3: Everybody knows Everybody
2: knows hmm. Everybody knows Do they? That's how it goes Everybody knows
1: I'm not sure they do Everybody
2: knows
1: Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from brandblog.com. We are digging deep, deep into the peach state today, even deeper than we usually dig. That would be the critical battleground state of Georgia, of course. We're digging deep at Bradblog.com in particular with a pretty mind-blowing investigative exclusive report on the continuing cover-up of what really happened Before, during and after the now infamous Georgia, uh, Coffee County, Georgia voting system breach that was carried out by MAGA folks, apparently organized by Trump attorney Sidney Powell, beginning on January 7th, 2021, the day after the Trump incited insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, attempting to block Joe Biden's 2020 Electoral College certification. At Congress. As that insurrection was playing out, as Douglas Lucas reports at Bradblog.com today, plans were underway to get MAGA computer operatives. Including, by the way, the guy who would eventually go on to run that dumb, phony, so-called post-election audit in Maricopa County, Phoenix, Arizona—that would be uh, the the cyber ninja guy. Uh, plans were being made to get those folks into the elections office in tiny, right-leaning Coffee County, Georgia, to open up and make unlawful copies of and distribute sensitive. Proprietary voting system software found on the county's touchscreen voting and tabulation systems made by Dominion Voting. The breach in Coffee County first came to light thanks to frequent broadcast. Uh, guest Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance, who has a long-running lawsuit to block the use of Georgia's new unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in favor of hand-marked paper ballots for all but those who may need such a touchscreen system to vote, like those with disabilities. Now, we first broke the story of the Coffee County breach on this program last year with the audio of an Atlanta businessman named Scott Hall, who called Marx for some reason and basically confessed, basically explained what he and the rest of the MAGA folks had done in Coffee County. Here's a brief reminder of that call after Hall essentially confessed the plot to Marx, explaining that his group had been given access for some reason to Coffee County's voting systems by the local Board of Elections back in early January of 2021. You know, I'm the guy that chartered the jet to go down to
3: Coffee County to have them inspect all of those computers. And they scanned all the equipment, imaged all the hard drives. They imaged the hard drives? Yes. How in the world did you get permission to do that?
0: We basically had the entire elections committee there. Okay. And they said, we give you permission.
3: Go for it.
1: Go for it, said the entire elections committee in Coffee County, Georgia. Now, those same systems, as we've discussed many times in recent years on this program, are used. Not just in Coffee County, but all across the entire state of Georgia, as Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger forces all voters at the polling place across the entire state to use these unverifiable and wildly vulnerable touchscreen voting systems instead of safer, cheaper, verifiable, hand-marked paper ballots as recommended by voting and cybersecurity experts. That means, of course, that breaking into one such system in one county in the state, as these MAGA folks did, as we have now learned, and you can learn about the vulnerabilities of the statewide voting and tabulation system across all of Georgia, as well as, by the way, in jurisdictions, uh, systems in jurisdictions in more than a dozen states elsewhere in the country, which will all be using these exact same computerized voting and tabulation systems in next year's critical presidential election. Now, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is said to be examining at least part, some of the Coffee County breach at this point, at least in as much as folks like Kathy Latham, a former Coffee County GOP chair, had helped to facilitate this unlawful breach of these systems. Kathy Latham was also one of the uh, Georgia's so-called fake electors who are said to be central to Willis's broad conspiracy probe of Team Trump's efforts to steal Georgia's 2020 election. But to date, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger appears to have made little or no attempt to find out how the breach was allowed to happen in the first place. Or if he has, he hasn't let us know about it. And about what the MAGA folks may have done with the information that they gleaned? Raffensberger, who hopes to parlay his two terms as secretary of state into a run for governor in Georgia, has been regarded as a hero by some for refusing to overturn the 2020 election when he was strong armed by Donald Trump in that infamous phone call from the then president telling him that he should, quote, find the 11,780 votes needed to steal the state's election from Joe Biden. Raffensperger's role in the Coffee County breach, in fact, what we can now confirm as the Coffee County cover up, appears less than heroic, to put it nicely, as uh, information collected by Marilyn Marks in that. Her long running federal lawsuit against Raffensberger suggests that he has been, shall we say, less than forthcoming about what really happened in Coffee County and what, if anything, has been done about it. About any of it. But our exclusive report at the Brad blog on Wednesday digs deep into the local level of this story as residents of coffee are finally beginning to understand what may have happened in their town and how coffee County's then election supervisor Misty Hampton was instrumental in allowing the breach to happen in her office and how her Subsequent resignation from the job may have been used as part of a cover up for what really happened there. As Douglas Lucas reports, for example, today, there was a still mysterious Board of Elections meeting that was called for February 25, 2021, just weeks after the breach. Uh, It was supposedly to discuss the resignation letters that were submitted by Misty Hampton and her assistant, To the board of elections, the letters claim that they were stepping down due to conflicts that appeared on their timesheets. Now, the real reason for the meeting might have been to discuss coffee. What Coffee County's uh, attorneys, who were contracted from the major nationwide law firm of Hall, Booth, Smith, had described to the board members in a group text the night before the meeting as "quote another new lawsuit." and the possibility of another after that. Well, what lawsuit? Neither the Board of Elections nor the local county commission nor the county attorneys have produced any evidence of any such lawsuit or lawsuits, plural, even though they cited the same thing as, Part of the reason to enter a secret executive session at that board of elections meeting in February of 2021, for which minutes have unlawfully, as Lucas explains, never been produced. Even more troubling, there appears to have been a secret meeting within that secret meeting, as Lucas has been able to get confirmation from at least three different attendees that, Three members of the county commission were also at that Board of Elections meeting, which would, in fact, constitute a quorum of the county commission mandating under state law that the commission also produce minutes for their secret meeting. That said, only uh, one commissioner has agreed to go on record that he was even there. Two members of the Board of Elections Also now confirmed to Doug Lucas that they were uh, that there were commissioners there, but nobody will say who the other commissioners present were, what they discussed, whether it constituted an official quorum. And if there are any minutes of what they discussed, if it all sounds convoluted and cover up, well, perhaps that. It's because it is, and it is not only a local matter. Just prior to that mysterious secret meeting within a secret meeting, on February twenty-five of twenty twenty-one, the attorney for one My Pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, yes, that guy, actually texted Coffee County's election supervisor Misty Hampton to schedule a chat for some reason that according to documents obtained during discovery in Marx's lawsuit known as Curling v Raffensburger so why would mike lindell want to contact misty hampton the election supervisor in coffee county on the night before she was to resign and to make matters even shadowier as lucas writes today on the very same reputedly run-of-the-mill thursday in february when the elections board gathered at that uh, courthouse for that secret meeting my pillow founder and close trump associate mike lindell a chief stop the steel bank roller landed his private jet in coffee county's tiny seat of douglas population 11,685 A few hours earlier, according to flight records, he landed in Washington, D.C. But a few hours before that, his plane took off from a runway not 15 miles from the private Mar-a-Lago club owned by a certain twice impeached president. So why did Lindell fly so circuitously from the Palm Beach area all the way up to the nation's capital and then all the way back down to rural Coffee County of all places in the middle of the night? Why did he want to speak with Misty Hampton, the resigning election supervisor? Uh, these are a lot of the unknown questions. Well, known questions, but unknown answers that we are still asking. Clearly, uh, there is much more to learn, but we are digging. And so are the townspeople in coffee as the reality of what appears to have happened in their beloved sleepy rural Republican-leaning county is finally coming to at least some light. Residents are now beginning to show up to ask questions at Board of Elections meetings, Lucas reports, about all of this. Here is Georgia activist Catherine Grant at a recent public meeting of Coffee's Board of Elections trying to get them on record to admit the county commissioners, in fact, held a secret meeting inside the secret Board of Elections meeting way back in February of 2021, purportedly to accept the resignation of Misty Hampton and her assistant. But who knows? But Grant, you'll hear, is quickly shut down by Board of Elections Chair Wendell Stone, who some describe as Chairman Stonewall, informing her that there will be no questions taken or answered by the Board of Elections at this public meeting earlier this month. I just
4: have to begin by saying when I hear the evidence that was presented just now, it takes my breath away. This is incredibly serious what we're talking about here. And as I said before in two previous meetings, we are tampering with our democracy, the foundation of what makes this country self-governing and unique in its democratic structure. So we're all sitting here looking around like, you know, it's just another day. But we're talking about some very, very serious things that have happened. And Mr. Stone, there was a breach. There were several. It's time for common decency, honesty, forthrightness. Anyone else remember other commissioners being at that meeting?
3: We're not accepting questions. The board is not accepting questions. I am not accepting questions.
4: I asked if anyone remembered other commissioners being at that meeting. Wasn't directing it necessarily at the board.
0: Okay. I mean, I and you're, and you're saying report? in light
4: of this very serious matter that we're discussing. That you are not allowing the board to do their job and answer questions for the public that we have a right to know. Is that right?
0: We are not accepting questions.
4: Right, which means that you we are not, are not to... accepting
0: questions and please don't pose another question.
1: They are not accepting questions. They will not even say who was at their own board of elections meeting. Uh, which is should be a matter of public record, back in February of 2021, just after the Coffee County breach, and now the Coffee County cover-up. At that same public meeting of the uh, Board of Elections in Coffee County, the Mayor Pro Tem of Douglas, that's the county seat in Coffee, offered impassioned remarks to the board on the verge of tears, describing all of this, correctly, I would argue, as a cover-up. As she tries to understand what can be done to help fix this mess in her beloved county.
0: I'm here, first off, as a uh, a, a resident of Coffee County, a, a voting resident of Coffee County. Uh, I'm also here as an elected official in my official capacity as currently Mayor Pro Tem for the City of Douglas, Georgia. I, I, I I'm saying thank you for allowing me to speak, but I'm also gonna say. I am in disagreement that we can have public meetings for the public and allow them to speak, but you can't entertain questions. I think, first of all, I've got to say this, that I think that is a disservice to our residents. I don't think that's fair. It's a disservice to our concerned citizens. It's not fair. It's not fair. I think we should not have anything to hide. We are Need to be transparent. This is about an injustice to our democratic system and an and in unfairness to the citizens of Coffee County. Do you all value us? Right. Do you value us? Right. I mean, I left here from high school, going to college, wanting to come back to do great things in Coffee County. Right. What message are we sending? Mm-hmm. To our children that's coming on after us mm-hmm. If we are going to Deprive information and hide And cover up yeah. It's not fair And I'm looking at you because you're the chairman not, That's the only reason It's just not fair y'all We have got to make it right mm-hmm. We can't keep covering it up There just should be a meeting For the citizens to explain What has taken place And as Mr. Hudson said What can we do to fix this?
1: What can we do to fix it? What can we do to fix it? Good question. For a start, we can report on it. Let the residents of Coffee County know what we have learned about what is going on in their own rural southern enclave of Georgia. We can report on what we are learning about what appears to be going on at the state level and what Secretary of State Raffensberger knows about what happened and how his own statewide voting systems have now been exposed to tremendous vulnerabilities, according to cybersecurity and voting systems experts. We discussed the matter with one of those experts, Rich DeMillo, last week on this program. You can download it if you didn't hear it, of course, for free at Bradblog.com. And we can report to the nation how all of this, in the much larger picture... Affects the more than a dozen other states which use the very same voting system software in several jurisdictions, along with Georgia, which uses it statewide and, yes, will be using it again, despite its now even worse vulnerabilities In next year's critical presidential election, the local folks of Coffee County are certainly attempting to do their part to crack the conspiracy of silence around the breach and the secret meeting within a secret meeting that seems to be helping to cover it all up. So we're trying to do our part as well. Joining me now is the author of today's expansive Brad blog investigative exclusive. Douglas Lucas is a Seattle based freelance writer and journalist who most recently wrote a detailed expose on 2016 Russian election interference whistleblower reality winner for the Texas Observer. He is now uh, diving deep at the Brad blog to try and bring light to this insane and murky and dangerous cover up that seems to be unfolding and hopefully cracking up apart in the great state of Georgia. Doug Lucas, welcome to the broadcast, sir, and congrats on uh today's exclusive report.
5: Good afternoon, Brad. Thank you.
1: So that's a lot, I realize, uh, but your report, of course, has much more. For a start, were there any key elements of, of our story to date that you sort of feel that I, I may have left out in, in trying to summarize, if I can, uh, you know, a basic overview of where we are and what you were able to unravel in your story at uh, brandblog.com today?
5: Well, it's a sprawling story, but I think one point to hammer home is that the first intrusion on the Coffee County Elections Building happened, you know, not 24 hours after mm-hmm. the January 6th attempted uh, coup uh, on behalf of Donald Trump at the U.S. Capitol in the District of Columbia. This is not something where these operatives are just sort of hanging out at an elections building. This is happening in the context. The initial breach mm-hmm. happened in the context of. Trump trying to illegitimately hold on to power, which is still something he believes he's entitled to. Uh, so it's still a live issue. You know, this is this is coup stuff we're talking mm-hmm. about. You know, this is not. Maybe somebody messed up some paperwork about a county boards meeting
1: mm-hmm. so this was uh, now you 're not saying that that they are related as much as uh, this is what was going on at the time at in at the capitol in d c they 're trying to to break in and and stop joe biden 's uh, electoral college victory, and down in coffee county they 're trying to get at software that they can use to prevent somehow the uh, the inauguration of of, uh, Joe Biden on uh, January 20 that year?
5: Well, they talked about using it to possibly decertify a Georgia U.S. Senate election. But I think more clearly is it's the same players talking about the same stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, stealing elections, namely uh, one of the top Trump lawyers, Sidney Powell, who's filed a lot of failed lawsuits trying to Overturn or tarnish Joe Biden's 2020 win. Sidney Powell is the one who funded, to the tune of I think twenty six thousand something dollars, the very initial Coffee County intrusion. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like they're they're doing scholarly studies of of <laughs> computer science elections material. You know, this is happening and being paid for people who are actively trying to mm-hmm. uh, get Trump into office uh, illegitimately, if need be.
1: It certainly does seem to be a national scandal in that regard, and yet it comes down to what, for the moment, it appears to be a cover-up at the local level with these boards of elections and uh, county commissions, and of course at the state level with Raffensperger. Let me jump in to the to the low level, so to speak, that you are at right. in this uh, in the story of Bradblog uh, tonight about the Board of Elections and the secret meeting that they were having with a county commissioner uh, a quorum of, of county commissioners who were also having a secret meeting inside their secret meeting. Now, do I understand that Coffee County Commissioner Oscar Polk, who is the only African-American on the five-person county commission, that he conceded that he was, in fact, there at this secret executive session meeting of the Board of Elections and that he, he concedes there were others from the county commission, but he just won't say who they actually are? That's correct. He told
5: me the other two are actually Ted Osteen and A.J. Dovers. Following that admission to me, he would not name uh, Ted Osteen and A.J. Dovers in the subsequent January uh, June 6, 2023, Board of Elections meeting. But he did tell me that, and the two elections board members who confirmed to me, Ernestine uh, Thomas-Clark and Andy Thomas, also named those names. So there's three names, Palk, Ted Osteen, and A.J. Dovers. That's enough for a quorum of the Board of
1: Commissioners. And they told you when you spoke with them directly in one fashion or another that this happened, but then when it came up in a public meeting, they're no longer willing to admit that out loud for some reason when they know they're being videotaped and so forth?
5: They being Oscar Palk specifically. And he the reason he gave for... for uh, backpedaling, if you will, not that anybody knew that he had talked to me necessarily, was that he had gotten some information the previous day. And I don't know what that is. That I is, am guessing that's the county lawyers, Tony Rowell or Jennifer Herzog, telling him, hey, don't talk about this anymore.
1: <laughs> and, okay, so they stopped talking. They talked long enough to give you the information we exactly. need to know to confirm what happened. now they stopped talking, but they had also at the time stopped stop talking, if you will, about these lawsuits or these threats of lawsuits that was supposed to be part of this meeting back in February of 2021 when they got rid of Misty Hampton. Uh, But do we know anything about those lawsuits? Who was suing? Who was threatening to sue? Who might have sued or who might have changed their mind and not sued at all? Who were we? What was the concern there?
5: Not yet, but the elections board, as our piece dives into, is required by law to provide some sort of tangible proof that there was a lawsuit. So the elections board on that day, February 25, 2021, claimed secrecy. They they granted themselves secrecy for two reasons, one being this Missy Hampton employment stuff. That's what everyone presumes it is. They haven't said that. But who else was fired in this tiny little county on that day? Mm-hmm. And number two, based on some sort of litigation. And case law, a Claxton precedent, says that if they're going to use litigation as a justification for going into secrecy, they better be able to produce some sort of paperwork, you know, that shows that there really is a lawsuit, that they're just not making it up. So there is some sort of lawsuit at play or they're just flat out lying in the public meeting minutes.
1: Well, and further, the county attorneys, uh, I believe, told you that they have no information regarding any such uh, lawsuits or litigation?
5: The county attorneys have... Uh, not spoken with me. They've been very strategic in that regard of just, you know, uh, putting up a, their own version of the Stonewall. Uh-huh. But they have told uh, open records requesters from the Coalition for Good Governance that the only evidence of, of, of litigation is, and then they produce some litigation that isn't related to uh, a text message that happened the night before where board member Matthew McCullough was saying, hey, look, we've got a bunch of litigation on the table. We better, you know, zip our lips and be careful. You know, so they, they've not produced it. The county's not produced any proof of litigation that is of the sort of magnitude that would justify going into secrecy.
1: Is it possible that the lawsuit might have come from the uh, state's Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger suing them in some fashion for allowing this breach to happen or perhaps from Dominion Voting? Uh, who, I think both of yeah. those
5: are quite possible, either one or both, uh, to take Raffensperger. You know, when I picture this this meeting in my head, yeah. I imagine that the county attorney is getting a phone call from, you know, the Secretary of State Raffensperger from Dominion Voting Systems, or maybe a Zoom call, and he's putting it on speakerphone in this <laughs> ground floor courthouse meeting room yeah. and everybody's listening in it and they've hauled in some of the county commissioners enough for a quorum they probably maybe didn't think of that uh they hauled yeah. in enough to listen to it as well and you know then the question becomes what is being said on that zoom or, or phone mm-hmm. or even in person if somebody showed up from dominion or, or raffensperger you know there's a number of, uh, of, of guests educated guesses we could make And I think the most basic would be that maybe, you know, Raffensperger, who's an ambitious politician hoping to become governor, Mm -hmm. especially after, you know, he he made it into the national news uh, in the last several, Mm -hmm. uh, right after January, uh, in January 2021. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think Raffensperger is ambitious. And this whole scandal with this breach, which at that point was still a secret. Nobody really knew about it. Um, If he could just kind of make that go away that would prevent him from getting discredited or uh, somehow besmirched you know in the national mm-hmm. news so that could be Raffensperger's rather for issuing some sort of legal threat like hey you need to turn over all these whatever documents you have about this thing to us you know or something like that well it's uh, dominion s- similarly could uh have Their kind of concern, where maybe they would just rather people not think about it, not hear about it. People just trust the elections, be happy about their I voted stickers, (laughs) and not really dig too deep into whether Dominion software is secure or not. You know, just make it go away. That could be the motivation for, for any sort of litigation threat.
1: Yes, it could, and yeah, it could be worse, yeah, or it could be worse and and but the problem is we have no trace yet of any of it, despite uh, everybody sort of saying, oh there 's uh, litigation we have to discuss, oh, we need to go into a secret uh, executive session well, I think
5: that 's yeah. where the open meetings law in Georgia comes to the rescue you know those those laws you know are, are kind of nerdy they 're kind of bureaucratic, but they really protect our rights to understand what is happening in these sorts of situations. And those laws, as written, demand now that both of the boards that were there that day uh, become more, be more forthcoming and honest, and document everything that happened. Mm.
1: Yeah, and yet they still uh, persist in stonewalling, as as you report, and and, and there is reason to be concern, um, and evidence to suggest concern. For example, you report in your story that uh, all of the emails all of them from uh from Misty Hampton and from her assistant they all disappeared somehow from Coffee County's email system those public emails we cannot even go back i guess for the entire uh time of uh Hampton's uh employment there we can't go back and look at any of it uh, correct
5: that's my understanding it's it's uh kind of the southern georgia equivalent of what happened on the federal level with with uh, controversial open records requests and FOIA requests, you know, it's very easy for agencies to say, we don't have any responsive documents, we don't know what you're talking about, and you have to push, push, push to the point of filing a lawsuit to where you get a judge to say, wait a second, these open meeting laws, these hallowed kind of laws about transparency are are what controls here, not your excuses about not being able to find anything. So, you know, maybe, maybe the minute, I'm sorry, the emails from Misty Hampton and her assistant, Jill Rattlehoover, are on the bottom of a river somewhere, you know, but maybe they're also not. Maybe they're, maybe somebody knows where they are. Maybe they're locked in a, a drawer in the commissioner's meeting room or something like that. And they will, maybe they'll eventually see in the light of day. It takes the power of filing a lawsuit Pushing yeah. and pushing and pushing the open records request, not giving up on step one and just keep fighting.
1: Well, as we know uh, well, Marilyn Marks on the show, I suspect she will not keep fighting. But her lawsuit, she has not been able, her understanding, as I understand it, is that there are no uh, emails from the election supervisor of Coffee County about anything that her entire you know, uh, account yeah. has just been wiped somehow. So sh- shouldn't uh, Raffensperger, shouldn't he be the one most aggressively investigating what happened in Coffee County? Why is this left to you and Maryland and the-, the folks on the ground? Shouldn't Raffensperger be in there? Because this affects his entire statewide voting system. What have you learned from his office to date about what he is doing to get to the bottom of this?
5: you're absolutely right that Raffensberger should be the bulldog on this uh, in many states the secretary of state is the top elections official and that's the case in the peach state of georgia and Raffensberger has been the, the best you could say for him is that he's slow rolling this which is not a legitimate thing to do when we're talking software for elections including the 2024 uh, general elections presidential mm-hmm. elections mm-hmm. i've Reached out to his office uh, last Friday. They have not responded, despite me giving them you know different options of responding on different days, or like give me a short answer to this one, or no, nothing, nothing from them. But they are the top head honcho about making sure the elections are secure, and their website Trump, it said, "Oh, our elections are secure." Da 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 da. But they had people waltz in, copy everything, and distribute it on the <laughs> internet. You know yes. these MAGA operatives. Yep. Um, he should absolutely be be pursuing this harder than he has. And matters that we've turned up or we've looked at, for example, uh, uh, the Secretary of State investigator, Josh Blanchard, Mm -hmm. who on January 26, 2021, one of the dates of the coffee breach intrusion, uh, he was there, and he saw one of the operatives, yes. uh, Jeffrey Lindbergh. Yeah, uh, he didn't report that, and uh, Blanchard did not report that in his report. It did not come up in the state election board meeting discussing his report. The mm-hmm. transcript, mm-hmm. not a mention. So you <laughs> you have a you have your investigator walk into the, the elections building, see one of the operatives, and just hey, I, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to write that down. That's as suspicious as, as can be.
1: I it certainly is. I mean, I got to tell you. This one feels like a bona fide cover-up. I mean, just the kind they you know, they write about in bad movies. Right. Uh, you, it's like uh, you you uh, write, uh, Douglas Lucas, uh, at brandblog.com, in the conclusion of your piece, you write, Where did this parent cover-up begin? Where does it end? We will keep digging. In the meantime, you write, If you happen to see my pillow CEO Mike Lindell... Ask him what he was doing late that night at Coffee County's airport in Douglas, Georgia, right after visiting the nation's capital and Donald Trump's private club. After all, he'd been photographed the month prior heading into the White House just a week after the January 6th auto coup attempt with notes mentioning Sidney Powell, the funder of the Coffee County voting system breach, and citing the Insurrect- Insurrection Act, a legal basis in certain unhappy circumstances for declaring martial law. That seems important. You quip, uh, it sure does seem important. Uh, and we have no information about why Mike Lindell landed in Coffee County in the middle of the night yet, other than we know he did.
5: Well, I think that Mike Lindell's presence there that night is something that cannot easily be explained away, given the tiny population of Douglas, Georgia, and so forth. And I think it, um, you know, to for the Board of Elections to act like. You know, they didn't say this, right? But if somebody brings it up, they don't say anything. It's like, well, maybe he was there doing genealogy or something. Well, that's that's not true. (laughs) You know, that's not plausible. Uh And I think that 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 sort of attitude from the Board of Elections and others and county officials in Coffee County, not being forthright, not being forthcoming, is uh, really suspicious and it's disrespectful of the townspeople. And I think the townspeople, that's what's driving them to show up i think on the 20th of this month some 30 residents show up the the highest number of people that we've had so far Mm -hmm. showing up at these meetings because they know it's not plausible for this big wig uh pillow guy to, to just show up the same day that all this stuff is going down and they feel disrespected their board is not being honest with them and when you have a tiny little county like coffee county in southern rural georgia You know, you have people who know each other when they pass each other by in the streets. Mm -hmm. You have people whose families have been there for generations and generations. And I think the sort of stonewalling coming out of the board Mm -hmm. and not being open about what Mike Lindell, the MyPillow CEO, was doing there, Mm -hmm. that's going to really feel disrespectful to the townspeople like the mayor pro tem Olivia Pearson Mm -hmm. and others. They're not going to. Want that. They're going to come out uh, to the meetings and ask questions, and they've been doing so. On the 20th, we've had the largest number of uh, Coffee County Mm -hmm. residents at a meeting so far, up to 30 people there.
1: Good. Well, I hope they continue uh, to show up and demand answers to these questions in this little county, uh, as you describe, where the residents have lately found themselves in a fight they never asked for over their beloved. County's soul. I will, of course, point folks to your full story uh, when I post tonight's show at Bradblog.com as your report is headlined. A secret meeting within a secret meeting, unspooling the Coffee County Georgia voting system breach and continuing cover up cracks emerge in wall of secrecy surrounding mysterious county meeting in small town conspiracy with national implications. Great work, Doug, and I will look forward to your additional digging have a feeling that this story may be a little bit uh, bigger than the uh, small local details might otherwise suggest at the moment. Thank you. Douglas Lucas, uh, his exclusive report is at bradblog.com, and you can also find him on the Twitters if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, or tips, where you'll find him at Douglas Lucas. That's one word. Uh, Thanks for this monster undertaking, Doug.
5: Thank you. Anytime.
1: All right, we have got to get out, but boy, yeah. what a bonker story! I know, nuts.
2: and I think that it does that There are national implications for this oh, um, yeah. because of not just the states that are using this uh, software system, but you know, the battle to secure the twenty twenty four election is happening right now. It's being fought right now in these local county election boards.
1: Yeah, much as it was being fought uh, prior to the twenty twenty election, yeah. when we were warning about these very systems that they have now taken apart.
2: And shared on the do, Internet. Yeah,
1: God knows what with uh, yeah. before 2024. And by the way, Raffensperger, uh, even though he, uh, he was told by the uh, U.S. Cyber uh, Security and uh, C- 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 Computer Infrastructure Agency that mm-hmm. those systems in Georgia must be upgraded immediately due to security issues. Raffensberger said, OK, great. Thanks for the uh, for the advice. We'll do it after after. The 2024 election. Yeah. Madness. All right. That story, I suspect, will continue. Thanks again to Doug Lucas and thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at Bradblog.com. No paywall there. Thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue our work on the airwaves and our reporting at bradblog.com. We appreciate your support now more than ever, bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email, I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and on the Facebooks and Twitters, I am the... And on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons, I am the Bradblog. See you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
2: You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported. Thanks to listeners like you who drop by Bradblog.com/slash/donate.
3: I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1943. That was the day United Mine Workers President John L. Lewis issued strike orders at the nation's mines, calling out more than half a million miners. The third general coal strike in three months defied the wartime no-strike pledge. Miners raised several demands, including wage increases, an end to the dangerous third shift, and portal-to-portal pay. High wartime inflation only worsened miners' already low wages. Early that spring, Lewis denounced the mine owners, the War Labor Board, and the Little Steel formula used to calculate wartime wages. He warned the formula meant starvation for workers and the end of collective bargaining. By April, President Roosevelt had ordered wage freezes. Miners began walking out of the pits even before the strike call as soon as the War Labor Board handed down their decision on June 19th the board had rejected all of the miners' demands. The United Mine Workers responded, stating, No member and no officer of the United Mine Workers of America would be so destitute of principle and so devoid of honor as to sign or execute such an infamous yellow dog contract. Though the United Mine Workers were forced to call off the strike the next day, some miners continued to stay out in protest. Four days later, Congress passed the dreaded Smith-Conley Act, dubbed the Slave Labor Bill, in response to the strike. Throughout the summer, miners across the country would rage against the government for threatening them with conscription and jail time if they dared refuse the terms of the decision. By November, the miners would walk out a fourth time and finally win many of their demands, at least from the War Labor Board. For more information, go to LaborHistoryIn2.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at LaborHistoryIn2.